Hello, precious brothers and sisters. Hey, have you ever said something to somebody and what you said was not necessarily what they heard or what you even meant? My name is Jody Coward, and I would like to welcome you to the Blood of the Lamb Ministries' new podcast, Twisted Perspectives. Twisted Perspectives is about expressions that you've often heard, but we've put a new and slightly twisted biblical perspective on them. And occasionally, we'll even discuss some other biblical topics. Well, glory to God, hallelujah. Hey, listen, guys, on today's Twisted Perspective, I'm going to twist things around on you just a little bit. What do I mean by that? Well, normally, I do the Twisted episode first, and then I go over a lesson from the Bible on how it relates to that Twisted episode. So, today, I'm twisting it around. Today, we're going to have the lesson first, and then present the Twisted episode. Actually, today we're going to have two episodes of Twisted. You might be asking yourself, Jody, why? Why are you twisting it around on us? Well, you do realize that this program is called Twisted Perspectives, right? (laughs) No, seriously. I think that when we get done with today's episode, you'll say, oh, now I see why he did it like that today. So what do you say, ladies and gentlemen? Shall we get this show on the road? Hey, listen, I love the Hebrew language. I find it a most fascinating subject to study, to learn, and I also believe that God has revealed things to me through the Hebrew language and Hebrew words. And just maybe, just maybe by the end of today's show, you'll be equally as fascinated with it as well. So first things first, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Every letter has a number to it, and every letter has a picture to it. The picture for each letter also has a symbolic meaning attached to it. Each picture and its meaning, they never change. Now, here's a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega. You do realize that that was written in Greek, right? And those are Greek words. Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. Jesus, however, spoke Hebrew and Aramaic. So he really probably would have said, I am the Aleph Tav, not Olive, but Aleph, A-L-E-F, Tav, T-A-V. Those are Hebrew letters. The letter Aleph, the picture of it is an ox or a bull. Its symbolic meaning means to be first the leader or strength. The letter Tav, T-A-V, is a picture of a cross. It means to seal and to covenant. So Jesus was really saying, I am the Aleph Tav. I am the leader and the first and the strength of the new covenant to seal it. Here's another one. Our word Yahweh. It's the Hebrew letters Yud, Y-O-O-D. The next letter is Hey, H-E-Y. The next letter is Vav, V-A-V. And the fourth letter is Hey. H-E-Y. The picture for Yud is an open hand. Its symbolic meaning means to cover, to open, or to allow. The next letter is Hey. It's a picture of an open window. Its symbolic meaning is to behold. Now, most Jewish people don't know what this open window opens to. But most Christian Jews have come to believe that it opens to the 
grace of God. In other words, to behold the grace of God because it is something that is beyond our amazement. The third letter is the letter Vav. It's a picture of a nail. It means to add, to secure. And the fourth letter again is Hey, picture of an open window, meaning to cover, to open, or to allow. So if you put those four pictures together, it would tell you a story. And that story would say, Yahweh means the hand of grace nailed in grace. See what I mean by it being fascinating? Let's set all that on the back burner for just a little bit and let it simmer for a while. Now, if you would, open your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter 8. And I'm going to go over several scriptures before I do any explaining, okay? First scripture, Luke chapter 8, verses 9 through 10. I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. Later, his disciples came to him privately to ask him what deeper meaning they could find in this parable. Jesus said, You have been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret hidden mysteries of God's kingdom. But those without a listening heart, my words are milling stories. Even though they have eyes, they are blind to the truth of the meaning of what I'm saying. And even though they listen, they don't receive the full revelation. Next scripture would be in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, and I'm just going to read verse 44. Jesus said, Heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. A person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such treasure, he was so overjoyed that he sold all of his possessions to buy the entire field just so he could have that treasure. Now, what is Jesus saying in both of these? Number one, it's been given to us to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and how they operate. Remember, he did tell us in the book of Matthew to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all things would be added to us. I personally think that Jesus was saying, seek first the kingdom of God and the right way he operates within his kingdom. So these two, one, one was an answer to a parable and the other one was just a parable. The first one in Luke, Jesus was telling it was given to us to know and understand these mysteries. The Bible very clearly says in the book of Proverbs, and all you're getting, get understanding. So we are supposed to understand stuff. In the second one, he said that the kingdom meant so much to this gentleman and should mean so much to us that it's like we found a buried treasure and we're willing to lose everything that we have to obtain this treasure. Now, on to the book of Romans chapter 11, and I'm going to read verses 32 through 33, again out of the Passion Translation. Actually, God considers all of humanity to be prisoners of their unbelief, so that he can unlock our hearts and show his tender mercies to all who come to him. Who could ever wrap their minds around the riches of God, the depth of his wisdom, and the marvel of his perfect knowledge? Who could ever explain the wonder of his decisions or search out the mysterious way that he carries out his plans. So on one hand, Jesus is telling us that it's been given to us to understand these mysteries. Paul tells us who could ever understand these things. But if you kind of read between the lines of what Paul is saying, he's telling us to go look for him. Well, now listen, according to Jesus, his own very words, it's been given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom and to understand them. The book of Proverbs, Solomon wrote these words, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. 
Now, you do understand that Jesus called us kings and priests, right? He did say that in the book of Revelation, that he came and made us kings and priests. And it's the, our glory to search out these mysteries of God. And one thing's for sure, if you don't go search them out, you're not going to find them. Now, if you're happy just going to church on Sunday, singing a hallelujah, amen, thank you, Jesus, on Sunday, then Twisted Perspectives probably isn't for you. But to those who have a deeper hunger, a deeper desire, a thirst, an unquenchable hunger to search out the deep things of God, then this program just might be for you. So now, let's set all that on the back burner and let it simmer for a while. And we're going to go ahead and get our Hebrew words and mysteries off the back burner and put it on the main burner. So our first episode today. You ready? It is the Hebrew word Im Anu El. Im, E-E-M-A-N-U-E-L. Im Anu El. No, I'm not going to go over the pictures or any of the meetings, but you'll, you'll see when I get done. The Hebrew word for our word with is Im, E-E-M. The Hebrew word for us, the English word us, is Anu, A-N-U. The Hebrew word for our English word God is El. You know, you've heard it, El Elyon, El Shaddai, so on and so forth. So if you put Emmanuel, you could say it like this. With us is God. Again, the word, our word with is the Hebrew word Em. Our word us is Anu. Our word God is El. With us is God, Emmanuel. That's what Isaiah in, in chapter 14 called Jesus. In English, it's translated Emmanuel. But in Hebrew, it's not just a word. It becomes an entire sentence. See what I mean about it being fascinating? One word becomes a sentence. It's more of a declaration of the reality that Jesus came to earth a declaration of the reality of our Messiah, whose name is Jesus. His very life here on earth was a declaration or a decree in Hebrew. Emmanuel. 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 So look at it like this. When Jesus was sorrowful, it was Emmanuel in sorrow. It forms the sentence, with us in sorrow is God. When Jesus was in the boat in the middle of the storm, it was Emmanuel in the storm. That forms the sentence, with us in the storm is God. When he was Emmanuel despised and rejected by men, it forms the sentence, with us in our rejection is God. When he hung on the cross as Emmanuel for our judgment, it becomes the sentence, with us in our judgment is God. When he ascended to heaven forever, it is now a sentence, with us forever is God. Emmanuel came into the world and into every circumstance of our life so that we could boldly proclaim, Emmanuel. Emmanuel is with us always, in every place, in every circumstance, in every moment of every day. Now, always, and forever with us is Jesus. Hallelujah. Emmanuel. Emmanuel.
Our second twisted perspective is entitled Covenant of the Broken. Let me ask you this question. Do you know where the new covenant is first mentioned at in the Bible? God spoke to a prophet named Jeremiah, and he said, The days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the house of Judah, but not like the covenant I made with their fathers, the covenant that they broke. So we could say that the new covenant was birthed out of brokenness. The children of Israel were the ones that broke the covenant, not God. So the new covenant was actually literally birthed out of brokenness. It exists all because of brokenness. Because Israel broke the covenant, like I said, not God. Jeremiah spoke of this new covenant as the nation of Israel lay in brokenness and desolation in the wake of God's judgment. The new covenant is the covenant that God himself made for all of those who have fallen from grace. A covenant specifically for the broken. Except the new covenant is for everyone who has failed and will believe. Not just the Hebrews. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all broken his commandments in one way or another. And I've read somewhere that if you broke one of them, you broke all ten of them. We've all failed. We've all fallen. I personally have been in many positions in, in times past where I should have had no hope, no chance for any covenant with the creator of heaven and earth. I know I certainly do not deserve one, but regardless of what I've, or for that matter you have felt or believed, God has chosen to make a covenant with us, a new covenant with immense power. You say, what power is that? It's the power to put back together that which has been broken. It's the power to pick up and gather all the broken pieces of our lives, to restore and renew them into something beautiful. Here's the hard part. We must totally submit to his ways and his desires. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are to go and reconcile and restore the broken relationships between God's love and his children. But it starts with you. You can't go help somebody be reconciled to God if you're not reconciled yourself. The new covenant is a covenant for the broken. Thank you, Jesus, that you became broken to establish a covenant for the broken. Are you broken now, or have you ever been broken? If so, then this covenant was made just for you, because it is a covenant of the broken. Amen. Hallelujah. That's our two twisted episodes for today, and I want to wrap up with these final thoughts. In the book of James, chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, I'm going to be reading it out of the Message Bible. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but. Letting the word, capital W, meaning God's word, go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you've heard. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in a mirror walk away and two minutes later have no idea what they look like or who they are. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eyes, and sticks with it, is not distracted, not scatterbrained, but a man or a woman of action, that person will find delight and affirmation in the action. In other words, be a doer of what you've learned. Be a doer of what the Holy Spirit has revealed to you. My final scripture for today comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. I'm going to be reading this out of the New King James Version. 
The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So in other words, God doesn't hold you accountable for what you don't know, but for the things that you've learned, the things that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you, the revelation knowledge that has been revealed to you, you are accountable. So let me encourage you to be a doer of the word. So that's it for today, ladies and gentlemen, but I do want to pray, as always, before we close out this program for today. Father God, I lift these listeners up to you, including myself. I plead the blood of Jesus over each and every one of us. Great walls of fire and glory encompassed all about us, Father. Father, I ask you to take this word and this message of the mysteries of your kingdom, planted into their hearts. And Father, it's been planted, and I ask you to water it and bring forth the increase in their life to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, if there's any listening that are not saved, I pray, Father, that today they would invite Jesus into their heart. For your word says, Father, that if we believe that he came from heaven to earth, that he took on our sins, that he was crucified on a cross, raised from the dead three days later, and believe that in our heart and confess it with our mouth, we shall be saved. And Father, you're not willing that any man should be lost, but that all men should come to the knowledge of repentance. So Father, for those that aren't saved, I pray that they would pray that prayer, that they, for the first time in their life, would believe that Jesus takes away all their sins and that Jesus makes them right before the Father. And for those, Father, that, that are saved, I pray, Father, that you would take this message and bring forth fruit in their life from it. And if you believe all that with me, say a great big amen and praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Love you. We'll see you next time. I'd like to thank you for taking your time to listen to our podcast today. If you would like to contact us with your questions, your comments, or even your prayer request, you can do so at jodycoward59 at gmail.com. That's J-O-D-Y-C-O-W-A-R-D-5-9 at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, remember, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimonies. 